I mean, people don't even really even seem to, to put their guard up after a certain amount of time when it comes to mental health um, because they know that they could be vocal about that conversation. And by doing that, it, it really helps us start to, to find results. I mean, not really just by, you know, somebody pointing them out, but more so seeing them in ourselves by expressing, you know, what it is that's, that, that's getting at us or, you know, what experience it reminds us of or, you know, um, what somebody might call a trigger. Um, you know, getting getting to the root of it, and 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 again, kind of confronting it in a way that's never been confronted before. You're listening to Relish This, the Purpose Marketing Podcast. Here's your host, Stu Swineford. Hey everybody, Stu here. My guest today is Drew Robertson. He's the founder of Mattersville Vets. Mattersville Vets is a really great organization that provides veterans with sustainable housing and support to reintegrate into civilian society and thrive. And they do this through a a variety of programs that are really neat. And they've created these tiny home communities and they integrate companion animals to help vets um, really cope with uh, PTSD. And these companion animals are actually rescued wolves. So it's just this really cool program um, where they also have counseling and job training so that these vets coming out of of military service can kind of have a way to get back into uh, civilian society. It's it's really cool. We had a great conversation that ranged on a, a variety of topics, but I think one of the biggest takeaways is this idea of celebrating success. And as organization leaders and and entrepreneurs, we tend to move the goalpost. And so we had this conversation about how success breeds success and really looking at how far you've come and leveraging that to get you to the next tier is, is just a super valuable uh, tool to have in your in your kit as a, as a foundation um, leader or, or leader of an organization. I had a great time talking with Drew. I hope you guys enjoy the show. Here we go. Well, thanks so much for being on the show today. I appreciate it, Drew. Yeah, thanks for having me again. My pleasure. pleasure. Are you down in Denver? Or Arvada? Yeah, I live in Arvada, yeah. Arvada. Excellent. Is it snowing down there, or is it just standard Uh, december weather? Yeah, just normal december you know, chilly weather. (laughs) Gotcha. It's snowing up here. Uh, I'm coming... To you from Netherlands this afternoon, and, uh, and a little storm just started rolling through. So we're supposed to get a couple inches out of this, which would be fun. Yeah, the team out of the property said that uh, they're pairing right now. Um, I I, uh, I occasionally, about once every three weeks, we'll get about two days off. Okay. Sometimes in a row, it's pretty neat. In that. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty neat. Yeah. So you have a couple of couple of things going on. Um, last we chatted, you had. The Mattersville project, and then also the Wolf um, project, right? Well, it's you know it's all one and the same. A lot of people um, think that there's you know different uh, a difference uh, between the two um, projects, but they all run together in, in the grand design that is is our overall plans for Mattersville. Wow, that sounds really cool. So tell us a little bit about about your you know, your program and, and what you're doing. It's it's a really really neat stuff. Yeah, we house veterans who are overcoming PTSD and and uh, other symptoms that that are coupled with uh, PTSD. Um, you know, TBIs. Um, you know, which bring on uh, multiple other symptoms that that uh, can uh, create problems with a person's mental health. And what we do is we we address it. I mean, it's it's one of those uh, programs where we we aren't. Um, tiptoeing around uh, around the facts. I mean, when we know that we, we have an issue with something, um, the, the conversation's there. And what happens here is is um, by that conversation being on the table, um, all the all the normal reservations about talking about what's going on with your mental health um, don't apply. I mean, people don't even really even seem to to put their guard up after a certain amount of time when it comes to mental health. 
um, because they know that they can be vocal about that conversation. And by doing that, it, it really helps us start to, to find results. I mean, not really just by, you know, somebody pointing them out, but more so seeing them in ourselves by expressing, you know, what it is that's, that, that's getting at us or, you know, what experience it reminds us of or, you know, um, what somebody might call a trigger. Um, you know, getting getting to the root of it, and 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 again, kind of confronting it in a way that's never been confronted before, and you know, a lot of that has to do with finding um, and teaching and learning positive coping skills and um, and and things to to kind of decompress after those confrontations, and that's where the wolves come into play. Um, you know, these these wolves, we 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 um, and wolf dogs. Um, we have them as therapy animals. I mean, these animals are literally there supporting veterans in their time that, you know, they might not uh, have, have found the way to express what's going on with them or, or a way to vocalize it. And, you know, then you see them working with the animals and, you know, just kind of that, that time that they have to literally empty that out of their mind for a short period of time and focus on the situation. Right. And what's going on around them because they're in there with an apex predator. So, right. you know, so they're, you know, so the, it, it, you watch that kind of decompression happen almost instantly because, you know, it is our, our natural instinct to, to keep ourselves guarded when we're, um, we're around our large animals that could be vicious, even though ours are, you know, to me, a bunch of big babies. Um, the um you know but again the results have just been staggering i mean we, we we're saving lives you know whether whether um you know it's through the companionship and human connection that that's created here or the um, um or, or the animals or both um and it's really it's really just been an incredible thing to to kind of watch this develop because um the original plan was with canines not necessarily wolf dogs and the way it, <laughs> it evolved to wolf dogs um, just kind of became an, an, an incredible thing and, and a learning experience even for me because, um, you know, each one has such a unique personality um, and so, do we, so does each individual, right? Each person that might be going through, you know, whatever and uh, whatever kind of trauma and, and watching these relationships develop between certain animals and certain people. To me, it's kind of like a, uh, you know, a reality show, you know, because I'm right. just like, I'm like, that that makes sense, you know, because for some of the animals and some of the veterans and or some of the, you know, civilian volunteer staff that, you know, um, have undergone trauma of some kind in their life or loss or, you know, um, or, or whatever it be, um, you know, you just kind of see them with an animal, um, which might have a backstory very similar because these animals right. also take out of abusive situations and and it's uh you know a lot of them were neglected or abused or beaten and you know left for dead and uh and rescued in one way or another either by our team or by uh, our predecessors at the rocky mountain wildlife foundation wow that's great that that's a really it's a really cool thing that you brought those two groups together that have such similar stories in in a way um what how many people have, have come through your program at this point? Um, right now we're, um, well, and it depends on, on, you know, what you consider officially, um, four, five, four or five this year. Um, okay. officially we, we helped a few other people while we were in development that, uh, um, you know, over time, um, wouldn't wouldn't have been a, a long-term fit anyways because they um, they had different views of, of uh, community <laughs> okay right. but uh so every every story hasn't been a success story um that, that it's that way with staff either i mean we've had to um roll through a couple of staff members some because the um, like i said you know being in a mental health organization um it attracts people that want to help who have gone through similar experiences. So sometimes right. um, even, the, even the staff that want to put in the most help have undergone the most trauma. So, um, so we reach out to them and, uh, you know, um, and bring them in to the best of our ability, but sometimes, um, you know, life catches up with them as well. And they need to, um, uh, we need to um, part ways for a short time, you know, sure. um, which uh, sometimes uh, they're able to come back. Sometimes, uh, you know, on the way out, people have uh, 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 self-sabotage to the point where, you know, um, they, uh, 
you know, they wouldn't be able to come back, but that's only happened like uh, one time. Uh, one okay. Time. But, uh, you know, that tends to happen again with mental health. It's tough because even in those moments we want to help, but you can't always because, you know, some people are going to, you know, uh, sometimes they're just going to take their ball and go home. You know what I mean? Right, right. They don't mind if it's going to affect everybody else because that's the place that they're at right then. You know, hopefully they'll, they'll, uh, you know, circle back to a healthy place where, where, uh, you know, uh, they're able to give something else a try. Well, it sounds like you're you're touching a lot of lives in a lot of different ways, and, and I think that's it's kind of an amazing amazing juggle. Um, how many animals do you have at the facility at this point? Seventeen. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're actually uh, we're actually getting ready to transition because one of the uh, you know we're starting to finally face our you know first bit of bureaucratic pushback by way of uh, a. Uh, a zoning official mm-hmm. is uh, really just going out of his way to try and, you know, poke holes and interpret um, zoning, whatever's beneficial to create issue for us. <laughs> so, okay. Um, you know, a lot of stuff uh, because it is unclear in a lot of uh, portions of their zoning um, that, uh, you know, on, on where it actually stands because the, the same exact county, um, their, their zoning and their building codes are conflicting information. Okay. Gotcha. Cause you have a, a central, uh, existing building with some, some kind of tiny homes on, on property. Is that, is that right. right? So we have a house on the property, a three bedroom house. And then we've, uh, you know, people, um, you know, our volunteers and staff will, the, the veterans live in the house, the volunteers and staff will show up and we're, we do have a tiny home in construction. Okay. And um, it's uh, it's known as the uh, Alpha House A because it's the first house. B, it's for directors, and uh, um, right. uh, C, it's going to be the uh, it's going to be the center point or the uh, sort of the, the landing point of our next property. By way of um, we built this uh, this home um, to have a fully sustainable energy system that's not only able to power the tiny home itself, um, but it'll be able to power the entire community. Um, we're, we're building it with panels and extensions where basically once we once we pull up into our next community after dropping, uh, after putting our additional 35 panels on ground mounts um, and connecting to the solar awnings and solar roof that's being built onto this tiny home, um, there'll be enough power to power anywhere <coughs> between five and 10 Tiny homes, uh, full-time ones on renewables. That's awesome. (laughs) It's pretty cool. That's really cool. Uh, So you're bringing a lot of things together. Yeah. Well, when when we were in development and and writing the program, I went to solar school uh, and and went went on to some advanced courses to uh, focus on battery bank and and everything else, um, you know, battery bank technologies and and, you know, um, I searched for property for our, our, the property that we're, we're, we're getting in there that we have that we now own in Hartzell. It's uh, 35 acres um, and we're getting ready to go into plan development on that property as we speak, because that property was kind of always meant to be what is going to be our, our actual hub, a community center, everything else. Where our right. Sicalia property will still serve as another property. But if the county is going to keep pushing us to limit the animals, then we won't be able to do, um, you know, have as many therapy animals there, but more so, um, you know, just enough to, to run, you know, um, uh, a more uh, intimate, smaller program because they're, they're literally giving us so much pushback. It's, um, I'm just shocked. I mean, again, we're starting to look into legal at this point because... Um, you know, in some ways he's going out of our way, uh, out of his way to, uh, enforce rules on us that don't seem to apply to everybody else. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but, uh, in Park County on, on the other hand, um, you know, the entire community seems extremely receptive and not only that, uh, that's where the animals came out of in the first place. Oh, okay. and we got them from Rocky Mountain Wildlife Foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they pre-existed in Park County, so um, we're looking forward to, it, to um, a better uh, a better relationship with the animals there. But not only that, being able to, uh, with it being a more flat property, being able to make a more um, large a, a larger facility, a larger like running area for the animals. Um, we have we already have a designed out 
um, to uh, to increase the uh, increase the yards to where I mean these guys are going to be able to run around like crazy for you know a good portion of every single day, um, and, uh, and and yeah, it's much different than the the extreme slopes and hills that we have in in Sedalia, anyways. Okay, gotcha. So it's kind of a good thing. Um, it, it annoys me that he's <laughs> pushing sure. us, but at the same time, again, we have we have plans for Hartzell, and it's like um, it, it would be cool if we didn't have to be um, pushed along as we're already making plans and preparations, <laughs> anyways. To um, th- that'll make them happy, anyways. Um, right. You know, the the crazy thing is is that they're giving us so much. He's giving us so much push when there were squatters on this property before us. For six years, and right. we've removed two hundred and fifty thousand pounds of trash from this property in this year since we took it over, of the squatters and everything else. And the squatters had an illegal pit bull fighting ring on that property with ten pit bulls on the property prior to us. So it's uh, again that's why it's weird to me that they're giving us pushback. The nonprofit that cleaned up the mess and is doing all the things that they want. Um, right. You know, it's like, dude, cut some slack, give us a break. You know, we'll be out of your hair in no time. Let us finish up doing your job real quick and, and we'll be on our way. Right. And is that work part of the part of your program? Are the are are the, the veterans in, in your program helping with the, the cleanup and, and that's yes. that as well? Okay. That's and, what I thought. Well, you know, and it's not just that. I mean, Stu, that's right. the, that is the and that is um we play everybody to their strong points and that's volunteers. That is veterans that are in the program. That is, you know, that's even myself, you know, um, the, um, you know, they're always willing to learn new things, but until they're taught, you can't expect everybody to know everything. And we, you know, when we set up projects, people will come out and they'll learn it and then they're ready to help build the next project. For instance, you know, we're going to be, uh, finishing up the siding for the uh, Alpha House this weekend, um, and as we get that up, every you know they're they're going to be learning siding, you know, siding and insulation for the first time. Right. Um, okay. And and again, it's a learning experience. But what when you know? Guess what? Because guess whose houses are going to come after the director's houses? This the it's the veterans permanent programs, right. the ones that are getting donated. Dude, we have some really, and I'll tell you about this in a minute. We've got some really cool, cool programs coming up. But um, the um, um, you know, they're, they're learning to build their house because what makes this sustainable and what makes this affordable is that the veterans and the program, they're saving 25% of all of their income that they get, whether it be from disability, from a job that they work, side job, side work, investments, whatever. They're responsible to save 25% of their money for their permanent housing plan. Um, our plan is to take care of them forever for as long as they need to, to build a sustainable life. And then, and then be ready to either stay within the, the community on their own home, or you know, buy a property and 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 have you know more you know all the space that they could possibly hope for in the end, um, you know. Uh, but the purpose always being building building their home and then building for the person behind them. So you know, people sticking around long enough to help you know then teach the next person you know by either building their home or or um, whatever else, so that uh, you know so that they can cutting out labor costs literally cuts out right. like what 70 percent of your build so when a veteran has, has is saving for that that 25 percent for their permanent housing plan i mean if they get aggressive with it like i mean really aggressive with it and say you know because they don't have to spend much money in the community um and, and they're they're putting away most of it most of their money i mean my right. god they can they can buy the materials to build their house in in six months and guess what happens? That's yeah, guess what happens when you own your own house and it's got no bills and you built it sustainably with what you know, and you got a spring well on your property that you bought off grid and you don't care because you have solar. You have no bills for the rest of your life. Yeah. Uh, cell right. phone bill and your internet bill, which I imagine those are two things that that people still aren't going to give up even if they go off grid. Uh, right. I know that I look for satellite connected areas still <laughs> when I'm when I'm shopping property, but um, the um, you know, the, the end game is that, that they have a sustainable life, you know, that they, again, that they, they, they learn how to, how to grow their own nutritious foods, um, whether through gardening or greenhouse or aeroponics, aquaponics, a field, whatever, focus on one crop and, and, you know, and, and learn some trading skills and, and go out and, and trade with other, you know, markets. 
um, make a job out of out of growing food, even if somebody wanted to take it, you know, go so far. Um, but again, a lot of people are restricted, and especially a lot of our guys and girls in the military, just because they they went straight out of high school, a lot of them, and you know, into boot camp, and then you know, they're told what to do for eight eight plus years in many cases. Um, and then the order stopped coming in again. They're just kind of like, all right, when's the next order coming in? And what am I capable of doing? Well, I was, you know, kind of, you know, <laughs> kind of used to a different treatment. I'm not used to having all this freedom, freedom of, of choice to, to go out and, and start making, you know, making choices and plans for myself. So, um, by learning these new skills, you kind of see them start to cling on to different things and, and people will, will take their, um, lives in different directions from there, um, you know, just kind of um, based on based on what their, you know, end hopes are, um, you know. But uh, you yeah. put the opportunity in front of them, you create the opportunity, and and it, it'll kind of develop it in itself. Um, when you take away the fear of, of the roof over your head, the current roof over your head being taken away from you, uh, and take that out of the equation, um, they they actually have time to address those symptoms and everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, it's just a pathway to um, to, to a, a, a really, truly free life. I mean, the American dream, a little house on the prairie with, you know, with no bills. And, and yeah, that's amazing. I love it. So as you guys, well, I'm sure that you had a lot of challenges this year in 2020. But looking into 2021, what are some of the biggest things that you're needing to, to accomplish in order to either expand your mission or um, you know, keep, keep things moving in the right direction? Um, volunteers, sponsors, and, and donors, you know, it's like, I mean, really right now, the development and cost of materials. And right now we're at this like really wonky phase where it's kind of annoying because we, we, we've got um, rezoning fees, you know, rezoning Park County property is going to be 1700 bucks, you know, and that's just the fee and that's, you know, whether or not, it gets approved, um, you know, um, or that we have to re- redo it or, you know, maybe there's a part that that's not liked and, you know, I don't know, maybe there's a reapplication fee or, um, and, it, and it starts to get a little bit costly and, um, and it's harder to raise for those kinds of things because, um, it's something that people can't see or feel or touch or come visit, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, we've got to get past that phase so that people can see and feel and touch and come visit. <laughs> so, um, because moving to this property is going to, uh, you know, moving the, the tours, uh, and having wolf tours at this, uh, Park County property, the Hartsville property, that's going to be, um, an amazing thing. I mean, again, I, I, I can't wait to show people what we have planned. Uh, I mean, it's going to be both incredibly safe, but also incredibly spacious and enriching for the animals. And, um, and it's going to make, uh, our, our animal care team's job a hell of a lot easier because currently it's, it's hiking around our seven acres, which again, has some really, really extreme gravelly slopes and, um, you know, uh, caring for the animals and hauling their food and, and meat across the property, um, you know, and water, um, and things like that, which they do, um, you know, work very hard every single, you know, every single one of our team members that come and works their shifts, um, you know, works incredibly hard, but, uh, you know, um, the plans for the new property, um, have simplified literally everything to a point where, um, once we, once we put it up, um, it's, it's going to be incredibly, um, uh, easier to operate. Gotcha. So, so moving and you, you own the new property outright at this point or we do you? through donations okay. over our, um, we actually were going to have this property first. We had already started, uh, I had started mm-hmm. payments. I started paying for it myself. Um, before we even started really getting any supporters, um, because I was, you know, it was kind of like I was telling people the idea, and and I've never run a nonprofit before. I didn't even know where to start. So, um, you know, it was just kind of telling people the the idea, and then um, started working some events and some trade shows and stuff like that, booking booths and uh, paying for those out of my pocket as well, and. Uh, um, raise the money for the 501c3 and you know by, by just telling people to dream and uh, you know yeah, came, awesome. came a little bit at a time and then finally once I could afford the, the 501c3 and we had it all ready to go we uh, we did it and then um, and it was really funny that was the kind of the first shift remember I told you people can come and go um, there were the people that were like okay I'm really down for this you know as, as a dream and pursuing 
you know, trying to achieve it. And then it was just like, okay, well, you know, now we got our 501c3. And then it was uh, now, you know, okay, well, now we need to get a property. So I had, you know, already started purchasing a property, one that I vetted out heavily. And then um, um, a lot of the staff, you know, a lot of the staff kind of just like, okay, like, oh, we have to drive all the way over there to go see the property. I'm like, yeah, it's a couple hours. Like, let's go check out our, you know, the, the property we're going to be setting up and moving on to. Let's start you know, preparing and. And then, of course, a lot of those gung ho people uh, fell off. You know, they're just like, "Wow, that sounds like a lot of work, even just driving out there." You know, so we kind of saw where, where that was going to go. And then, you know, um, we had a nice little refresh of, of some some new blood that came in that was ready for sort of that next level. Um, we, you right. know, let's get this property paid off and let's get the, let's get something built. And then the Sedalia property got thrown at me through a friend, Arizona. So, and then it was like, okay. There's cabins, there's like trash literally covering everything top to bottom. I mean, it was insane. Um, so seven acres of trash and, and heavy trash too, like construction trash just everywhere. Um, right. And, you know, we just we just went to work and, um, you know, I just kind of started cleaning me and our, our first COO, Kristen, she was uh, out there ready to clean up. And, um, and then people just kind of started jumping in with us as the... Uh, 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 as time went on, um, eventually when we, we decided to take on the animals, it, it hit the news and, and we had a huge influx for a while. And, um, you know, and then um, as the as the work started um, coming to an end and uh, or as far as the, you know, the trash cleanup and stuff like that, mm-hmm. coronavirus started hitting. And right. what was tremendous progress kind of, just like hit a hit a you know dead end as far as being able to maintain the the you know the day to day as well as you know the upgrades of, of, of what we need to do to, to fix the house and get get everything up to code in there um, from the squatter abuse you know um, right. then it's you know um, yeah so it's just it's literally been one thing after another on that property again that's why it's crazy that we're we're catching so much grief because. Um, I don't know anybody that would have cleaned up that mess, including the county. I mean, it would have taken them months. <laughs> like it took, right. it took us months with with people, and you know, um, and, and the fact that they they want to stand stand in the way of that. Right? And again, they're not standing in the way of the trash, but they're you know trying to create obstacles for the organization that's literally like cleaned it up for the better, and and is in helping people and animals in the in the process. It's like right, it's, right. So you mentioned. You know, the three uh, three user groups in terms of your stakeholders with your volunteers, sponsors, and donors, and then obviously you have your beneficiaries in terms of the uh, you know the, the vets that are on on the property as well as uh, or in, in part of the program as well as the the animal beneficiaries. Right. So, when you do you, do you anticipate more challenges with volunteers once you move to Hartzell? Does that um. Does that complicate things? For Not you? necessarily more challenges with volunteers, um, as far as getting there or anything like that. I mean, some some of the ones that we're volunteering at uh, Sedalia won't be able to make it to, all the way to Hartzell. Like it'll be an hour and a half in the other direction, uh, you know, right. in, a, in a further direction. Um, but um, you know, it's uh, uh, it's it's certainly. Um, close enough to where people will still be, um, you know, our committed group will still be there. And, and uh, you know, cause we have, we have a few that are, you know, basically full time back and forth, um, you know, five to seven days a week. Uh, sometimes, I mean, again, yesterday was my first day off in three weeks. Cause um, it's been one thing, one thing after another, just getting, you know, getting a whole bunch of stuff ready for our uh, strategic planning meeting this weekend to go over our city planning for Hartzell. Cause, uh, Okay. Okay, yeah, cool. we're doing a big virtual slash, you know, in person. And are, are there specific types of volunteers that you're seeking? Is it hands-on stuff? Are you looking for legal uh, legal volunteer pro bono work? What what are the what's the mix of of that team? Um. So. Um, I'm sorry. Can you ask a question again? <laughs> in terms of your volunteers. Yeah. What does that team look like? What, what's the mix of talent that you that you really need to put together? Some, bil- 
either in the short term or in, in the long term. So we need some long term with animal care because we don't like people building relationships with the animals and then bailing on them. Um, okay. You know, it's uh, the, the commitment with that is one day a week. You know, we just ask that. But okay. it comes back one day a week. If you can't make it to your shift, get it filled from one of the other uh, team members. Um, we have a few slots there, and it's going to um, – and, again, I think there might be a few more um, once we move over to Hartzell, um, which will take time as well. Um, but there's still going to be four animals at the Sedalia property anyways. Uh, okay. So, um, you know, again, it's kind of splitting up the team. And then the veterans that are living there will still be um, – uh, there as well to help tend to those. Um, and as soon as it's up to code and, and compliant, this property is zoned for another household, which is our intention. Why we've been trying to get it up to code and figure out where, where everything is. Um, what's funny is we, again, we haven't done anything that wasn't already there, except we fixed it or put it up to code. <laughs> you know? So okay. um, it, again, it's just another reason why it's weird that they, they, they brought us, but um, so again, volunteers though, um, general volunteers, builders, animal care, um, counselors um, that are uh, in mental, you know, any mental health counselors that, uh, um, especially anybody that's uh, specific around PTSD, because we do need more um, peer mentors and more people getting involved in that. Because uh, once we grow and start expanding into Hartzell, we'll have more more veterans, and we do have a very specific layout that we have um, for for our support which is um, it's basically a layered um, support system where everybody's got multiple peer mentors and they're also the the and the veterans themselves are also peer mentors for other people on the same property okay um, kind of like a battle buddy scenario um, you know but uh, but somebody that's within the um, within the community with you so that they're always able to just kind of um, check up if needed and, and if uh, uh, if there's ever any mental, mental health concerns, that, that they're able to, to be there to support them. Um, okay. And are those, are, are the counselors on site, they're, they're living on site as well? No, no. Uh, Not just, just accessible. Um, you know, there's, uh, so for these further off-grid communities, um, you know, we consider these more of the low-risk uh, communities um, until there, okay. until there's a certain amount of people or until we can bring counselors on site. Um, that are able to, to stay on site. Um, once we have once we have the accommodations for something like that, that is something that we will we will want to add. Um, but again, stepping stones right now, you know, is property one proved that we could do a sustainable model, um, which we're able to um, pretty simply, um, you know, um, and then the uh, uh, and then the sustainable houses, and then it was just you know again making sure that, uh, that the community setting work which it's it's working amazingly because again the, the bonding and human connections and people um you know that's great so so are, those are kind of the three main buckets of volunteers that you're that you're seeking yeah. and then in terms of sponsors is uh, is this construction material sponsors equipment what what are the what's your sponsorship program typically looking like or is it even um you know grocery stores donating meat or something like that. So we've got some grocery stores that do do donate the meat for the for the wolves and wolf dogs. Actually that's that's one of the only things that we have zero problems with. Uh, okay. But good. Uh, the um, uh, which yeah Wheat Ridge Poultry and Meats which does uh, the, the processing they're they're one of our sponsors as far as uh, okay. some meat and they are just absolutely amazing because they, they do wild game processing. So yep. um, so these these animals our animals are getting their natural diet thanks to them. Which is deer and you know deer antelope. That's great. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, um, and then um, you know construction materials. Yeah, absolutely. Like I get you know, there's almost like you know if somebody was to reach out. There's uh, you know it always depends on timing, right? There's like no one thing that we need, and you know extraordinary amount of uh, uh, materials on. But um, we're about to start working on one of the veteran tiny homes, and I can definitely put a list together for somebody if they wanted to, to be, you know, be involved in the, um, in some material donations. Cause, um, you know, um, there's a couple, uh, rebuilds and, and, uh, conversions that we're going to be doing here in the near future, showing people how to, um, how to, you know, do some different stuff there. Um, so, okay. you know, again, um, some of those things, uh, yeah, with different materials, uh, would be definitely helpful. So, 
it's not always about money because sometimes it's about different yeah. things, you know. Well, I'm, what I'm trying to get to is is maybe mechanisms by which you can help get in front of some of these people a little bit more effectively, right. um, particularly in this you know, potential sponsorship opportunities. Um, and one of the things I'm thinking is is <clears throat> really looking at uh, kind of a coordinated LinkedIn campaign where you are reaching out to some of the some of the major or even minor um, construction firms in the area um, that might be interested in helping out just with, you know, most, most construction projects have, um, you know, not only scraps, but also kind of materials that were over, over purchased, you know, on purpose right. that they didn't need to tap into. Um, and so leveraging, leveraging relationships that you could build within that community to, to try and be a, a repository for that, right. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is helpful. And right, right now we're actually, we have uh, a couple promotions going on with some of our, our local partners. What's there? Credit union, um, is helping us, uh, elemental vapor bar, um, and a couple, a couple other different store, uh, storefront locations. Um, West Era Credit Union had multiple stores, um, but they uh, were doing a Secret Santa for the homeless uh, drop right now, okay. where people are dropping off some um, actual nice gifts. You know, again, like some different things that that could be useful outside of the the typical cosmetic bag that they receive out um, out on the streets. Um, you know, right. as opposed to the thirtieth toothbrush uh, being handed to somebody where. You know, I'm hoping to bring them some really nice gifts like headphones or nice, nice wool hats. You know, things that are um, things that are, are, are really going to make a difference in their day and keeping them warm through this. Uh, you know, um, yeah, we're we're definitely going into that season. Yeah. Yeah. How are you reaching out for donors, and what what are your goals there? What what kind of money do you need to raise? Um, you know. <laughs> uh, Ooh, which project? Um, you know, um, for the what, what's funny is for the animal care, it's actually very cheap to build new pens um, out there because we do the labor ourselves. Um, okay. We're going to be able to to build the uh, pens for about four or five grand. Um, that's for okay. all of them to you know again these huge yards that I was talking about, um, and then the uh, um, and that's with no no fly horsemen. I love it because they, we've actually never had escapes from this type of fence um that wasn't from uh you know which these guys are escape artists they, yeah, they, they always come running right up to us like wagging their tail or whatever but it's uh, they're definitely escape artists but um the um the the community center for Hartzell, um i have that estimated um you know i think it's at uh six hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars okay and that's uh that's not only going to house many people and kind of be the reception center of where veterans come into the program before they get assigned to a home. Um, but it's also, um, it's going to be the, you know, the main uh, community center. It's known as the Hanson house, uh, named okay. after my best friend, um, who I started writing this whole program for. Um, and, uh, that's going to have, you know, fully functional kitchens, um, you know, with everything, you know, things that you might not have, in the uh, plus size in a tiny home, right? You know, everything right. in the tiny yeah. homes are going to be shrunk down. So to cook for a community at times and, uh, you know, support a community if if there was ever a crazy time or to be able to do any kind of disaster relief where we take in refugees from anywhere, you know, fires, right. for instance, um, the Hanson House would be a, a sustainable community um, fixture that would be able to support things like that as well. Um, you know, um, part of the program that I have written on written for later on, um, as well would be, you know, when you have a, a team of, of veterans that have tiny homes and fully sustainable lives, um, and they're on, you know, and then a set of tiny homes on wheels, you know, some, some kind of disaster in a country happened, we're able right. to dispatch support that has reasonable accommodations while they're, while they're supporting other communities. Right. I mean, you could, you could mobilize those tiny homes if they, if they are on trailers to other, other locations as needed. So have you, how, how much of a dent have you made in this? I mean, I, those two items came to about 655. So, you know, let's round it up to, to say seven, 
700 k we're finishing up the architecture we haven't started raising for those uh those items yet we want to put everything into city planning and make sure that it's accepted before we start taking funds or something that wouldn't go through you know if it, if it were, wasn't able mm-hmm. to go through uh right. you know, the community center being main part and the rezoning you know because and it's actually really easy on the rezoning side because literally everybody around us already rezoned to the zoning that we want so Oh, <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of. And I think you said that was about seventeen hundred or two grand or something yeah. to to do the yeah. the rezone. The rezone's about seventeen hundred. Um, we we raised nothing on that yet either. Um, I just found out that that's going to be that cost a couple of days ago. Um, okay. and uh, you know, and that's and that's just the the kind of the tip of the spear, if you will. Um, you know, we've we've got um, we've got a lot more to. Uh, there'll be a lot more involved. We've got the survey, we've got to get the well and the well permit because then once we know, once we get the well and we they do a refresh survey, they're going to be able to tell us how much water we're able to support in a day. How much right. we're going to refresh. Otherwise, you know, if we only get allowed one well and we're trying to put 50 people there, it's not going to work. Yeah, it's not going to work, so, work great. At all. so again, how do we make it sustainable? Um, you know, and does it need to, to spread out? I mean, Here's the thing that's awesome about this this Hartzell property. If we can, you know, if we if they let us subdivide it into three properties, you know, three 13 acre properties or whatever, and they let us house eight, you know, eight veterans at the most, because that's all that's reasonable and that's all that makes sense. Great. Let us let's let's do another because that's still the price that we paid for the land and the, the price that it's going to cost to house that many people. Still awesome. You can still do the community center as one of the primary residences, you know, or, or you know, facilities for the for the operations, whatever. And, um, and and that's still a success story by way of we didn't pay much for the land. Actually, when I looked at all the land around us this week, um, mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, because we were, we were looking for other plots around it because of, of that thought. Um, and, uh, we, we've got, we got an incredible deal. I mean, it just made me even okay. happier that I started purchasing it when I did because, sure. um, it, it's gone. It, let's just say the surrounding area has gone up since then. Um, and, uh, so now we're, uh, you know, but now we're still looking at another property, um, where I might even buy my own primary residence right next to where we're going to build in Hartzell so okay. that I don't take up one of the, uh, a lot of veteran spaces. Right. Gotcha. So. So here's here's something to consider, and, and this is just around storytelling. Sure. And so thinking of this as a phased rollout. So phase one was to secure the, the property. Phase two is to secure <clears throat> the permits and and get the kind of the initial ideas around what this is going to look like eventually. So each of these phases. Um, you know, you build on that and what each of these does, particularly as you're, as you're nailing these milestones without a lot of support, sounds like you've kind of bootstrapped almost all of this. As you're hitting these targets, you're, that enables you to tell a different story that you can fundraise against for that next, that next phase. You know, you've, you have demonstrated success. You have you have wins here that you can really talk about and, and those become the backbone of the next phase of, of, uh, of development. The other thing that you might think about or can, or look into is this increased value of the property itself. Um, you, you secured it at a, at a much lower rate than what things are going for now, which means there's a equity built into that. Um, and so that equity then becomes something that you can fundraise against in, in some ways or even take out uh, loans against if that's something that you're interested in, in looking into. But, but that's a tangible asset that you're just going to continue to build up in terms of its, of its net value. And so what I, think, what I think I would encourage you to do is start taking some of those bigger steps and start fundraising for, uh, you know, against these future plans and future opportunities. And even if you have to scale back at some point, that's okay because, because you're making progress and you're, and you're demonstrating success. And so 
really coming at it from that approach of what what is phase three looking going to look like? Um, you know, we're here in phase one, but we're starting to fundraise against phase three. Um, is a viable way to continue to yeah. to kind of leapfrog and, and make make that incremental those incremental wins uh, work in your favor. Right. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's definitely um, you know something that we are just now starting to get a hold of. We uh, we're, we're working on a couple different platforms that that directs people better to our fundraising as well. Um, okay. Literally just had a meeting about this yesterday. It's kind of funny. but it's uh um you know like some different roundup campaigns and different things where we're we're able to get recurring uh support even if it's on a micro donation level um you know we're finding that in a pandemic um that's uh, a lot of people are because that's 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 kind of what happens since the pandemic is the the bigger support you know and by that even just you know even the foundations that are able to do you know a couple thousand dollars um those those just we don't even see them right now like i mean we have we certainly have them um and maybe it's because they're spread they might be still donating but they're spread thin or or you know maybe they're not donating you know right now and just you know just kind of waiting things out and seeing seeing which non-profits stay afloat um because we've seen quite a few close this year um yeah for sure yeah what we're hearing a variety a variety of different things and everything from you know big donations have, have dried up but but small, smaller donations have made up the difference where people, more people are coming into, into play with you know, smaller donations, which is actually like closing the gap. Um, I also hearing the exact opposite that, that, uh, you know, for some organizations, the big donations are still rolling in, but smaller donations are, are drying up a little bit. So what we tend to look for are those opportunities to leverage your, whatever assets you have. So look at your mailing list, look at, at your volunteer list, your, your your donor list, segment all those things out and try and figure out where you can kind of go back to that, to those people who have, who've raised their hands in the past and have demonstrated that they're interested in what you're doing and they're excited about it and, and really lean on those people. So this is where we get into kind of this inspire phase of, of engagement. Um, thinking about marketing and thinking about all of this as a, as relationship building and you've worked people through a, you know, a, a life cycle in terms of getting them interested. So, so drawing their attention, um, make, creating them, uh, or transforming them into connections and then bonding with those people. So getting them to actually take, take the next step and, and invest their time or, or, you know, their, resources or their, or their dollars to, to really be part of that program and then inspiring them to, to be a, a person who, who really gives out even more by involving their own networks, um, by, by really shouting your praises and, and getting on the bandwagon to, to create even more awareness. And so, you know, going back to the, not to the drawing board necessarily, but, but going back to that well and looking at what those assets are and how you can leverage those people and their passion for what you're doing to help you help you reach that next tier. And if that's you know seven hundred thousand dollars to uh, to build out this this program there near Hartzell, um, then then that you know that might be it. If it's seventy thousand dollars to to kind of get the architecture done and drill a couple wells and get get that phase of it done that's a win and that's a demon you know another demonstrated uh, you know step that you've taken yeah. toward yeah, this that goal. is another thing that uh we you know we've got the initial architecture but we do need to find an architect you know last uh we were lucky to have the the basic the you know the base renderings it's about 13 pages of renderings done uh it was sponsored by a good friend of ours uh, about a year ago, actually, um, we, we got okay. back uh, for, for Hartzell. And uh, we also have, uh, but it's, you know, it's time to uh, to move on to, a, you know, as we go into city planning, like I said, it's like an architect, um, you know, engineer, um, somebody that's ready to, to get their hands dirty and, and help out there too would be helpful. Or like you said, you know, finding somebody that can support that would be, would be amazing. 
Yeah, for sure. So I think just getting creative in terms of, of thinking about each of these kind of stakeholder groups and what you need to do to get, get out in front of them and get them even more engaged than perhaps they might be right now. Um, I really like the idea that, that you mentioned of, of the Roundup program. And one of the things that, that I think I would encourage you to do is try to come up with partners there that are aligned with some portion of your mission. So whether that is going to, um, you know, going, going to lumber store or, you know, lumber yards or, um, you know, th- those types of, of stores, um, I know that our local hardware store has a roundup program for, for a couple of local charities and they, they've done a lot of transactions here during this pandemic. And, and it's amazing how much, how much revenue they're generating. Um, the stores do really good ones too. And, um, you know, we're, we're talking to a, a pizza place that uh, a really good friend of ours, the owner of Canelli's uh, in Casera. Um, uh, we're talking about doing a roundup with them, but, uh, the ones that we're, yeah. we're about to launch actually are going to be right on our website. It's it's uh, have you ever have you ever used Acorns before? You know, or, or heard of Acorns before? I have. So yes. you link yeah. your credit card and it rounds up your purchases, every purchase to the nearest dollar. So what the system that we're we're getting in now it's a it's a it's a company it's a program that they basically do the same thing except your your roundup goes to the charity that you link your card to. Yeah, so it rounds up, at, you know, so our supporters are able to, you know, link one card, link all their cards, whatever, and, and they're literally supporting us through, you know, every... Yeah, through purchases they were going to make anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So when when we start talking about those those partnerships and trying to figure out good ways to to approach those people, typically what I think would be a good, a good thing for, for you to consider is to think about kind of the pillars that you're hitting. So you have the, you know, certainly this big pillar about veterans. You have a, a big pillar about, you know, wolves and animals. Um, and so, you know, thinking in that regard. And then you have this other pillar around um, construction and building, which I think is really interesting because you're teaching those skills to, uh, you know, to your veterans. There may be another pillar there in terms of the farming. So as you think about those buckets, looking at ways to align your outreach to each of those buckets where you go after, um, you know, go do searches on veteran owned businesses and just go, go to those people because they're going to be inspired about what you do. So the likelihood that they'll become donors or volunteers even, or um, do some sort of a roundup program or become a partner is pretty high. And then doing that same exercise with each of these other pillars, it just gives you those targets. Um, if you can get overlap, so if you think about a Venn diagram and find, you know, a veteran owned hardware store that, that nails like two of those pillars at once. And so the likelihood that someone there is going to, to be interested in supporting your program is a lot higher than just necessarily going out after, after any old kind of business. And so if you can be strategic about that, that'll give you a ranking of, the of those businesses or those people that you want to go after. Right. And so you have kind of your, your, your first tier that are really high probability. And then your second tier, which are maybe a little bit lower probability and then third tier, but it at least gives you some, some marching orders in terms of who to, to reach out to first um, because you're going to have a, a much higher probability of success. Yeah. Yeah. How does that resonate? Yeah, I mean, I mean, that all makes perfect sense to me. I mean, it's, um, yeah, I mean, we're just, uh, it's been crazy. It's, uh, you know, because um, sometimes, you know, sometimes you go down certain avenues and certain roads and, and everything's about timing, right? And, uh, yeah. you know, because some some stuff we've tried and it's like, okay, well, was it the right person or was it the wrong time? You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, so it, it's you know it's just one of those things that uh, you know it, it's sometimes easier said than done because you know um, especially with um, the pandemic you know it's like it's some business you're call- some businesses you're calling and they're just like you know their businesses are, are turned upside down and other ones are too busy yeah. to talk to you because the pandemic actually increased their business in some way shape or form. 
you know, um, right. and, and it's just it's just interesting that uh, interesting time to be alive for sure. <laughs> yeah, it certainly is, and and so you know what I heard out of that little piece that he just shared with me is is there are opportunities to engage both of those groups. And so the first group you mentioned, which are the ones that have been hit pretty hard, most people really do want to give back and they want to help. And and if the only thing you're asking for is money, then that only gives them one opportunity to help. And and maybe that opportunity is is a little shut down right now. So if you can think of other ways, which is either sharing your message across their, their networks or donating, you know, some stuff that they have laying around that they wouldn't, that they're not going to use anyway, or, or, you know, volunteering some time. Those are ways that people can still feel connected to this community that you're creating. Now on the other side of that spectrum where the people that are, are too busy right now to, to really talk with you. And those, I would certainly say, well, can we put something on the calendar for next month when I can come, you know, come in and, and talk to you for, 30 minutes about what we're doing and really create opportunities to schedule that interaction. So it's not um, disruptive at all. It's not, it's, you're not interrupting what they're doing. You're, you're getting, you know, a, a future date on their schedule. So then you become the, the focus of their attention at that period of time. And so, you know, really giving, getting opportunities to, to kind of book in that time or those people are generally generally uh, more able to just give money and and, and you know they they want to help but they don't have time um, you know money's the thing that they tend to throw so um, you know, really great opportunities on both ends of that spectrum right. yep and and again that's where the right person comes into play is <laughs> somebody that can identify the right uh, question to ask at the um, you know um, at the right time to the right uh, you know person. So, yeah. again, it's, um, it's, um, you know, we're always, <clears throat> we kind of have a joke around our property. It's, it's, a, a rule, if you will, because everybody's already got, um, such an interesting schedule, um, being incredibly full, um, with all our projects that, uh, if you come up with an idea and you already don't have time to do it, you know, and nobody else does, you know, you're the one that's stuck doing it because, uh, if everybody has a full plate, but right now we finally have, um, as far as marketing goes, because I've been the one just kind of doing it. Um, right. You know, myself and Danielle, um, she does an amazing job um, taking. She's been taking that off my hands, but um, again, even her, um, one of our full-time volunteers that has another full-time job as a teacher, um, there's only so much time she can have to to keep up with all of that as well. Um, you know, but uh, we finally have somebody else that just came on that's really been a go-getter that's uh, started to really nail down some of the stuff and, and put together a, a, a broader platform with, like you said, options, like, because man, people don't have options of ways they can help. You just give them one. Well, you're not always, you know, going to be able to get, you know, get any support from, from everybody then. Right. Right. If you give them the wrong one, right. then, then, there's, then, then you just miss that opportunity. Sometimes even if you just leave with the wrong one, because okay. But um, you know, yeah, the, the the heart's there in a lot of in a lot of cases. Um, you know, again, we, we've uh, um, we've only been around for two years um, as, as right. an organization altogether. So it's like just reflecting on it. I'm like, I, I'm I'm just amazed that we we've gotten this far, um, this fast, um, without some of these tools. And I, you know, that's what that's what makes me so excited to set some of this stuff up, like what we're talking about now, because. As we do put them into place, and, and that supports starts to starts to catch up with the work we've done. Even you know, um, I, I'm really looking forward to having it because um, I can only imagine you know if, if everybody could see what we've done with with uh, again not no support because we've gotten support, but uh, you know with nothing um, like you've seen for for other organizations that, that accomplish much much less than we've already done. Right. Well, I think encouraging you to to celebrate those wins and leverage all of the all the great work that you've been doing, and you know what we have a tendency as uh, you know as as organizational leaders and and you know I'll throw the entrepreneur hat on on the top of that to 
to move the goal line, right? So we get, we, we, set, a, we set a goal and we say, we're going to go do this. And then as we approach that goal, we tend to, to move it out. And, and then we approach that and move it out and approach that and move it out. And we never take time to actually look back and see how far we've come. And so, you know, if the goal line was 100 yards away uh, last year um, and, and you, you've been kicking the ball down the, down the field or running the ball down the field for the last two years and you're like, gosh, you know, that goal line is still out there. Well, you look back and you've gone 450 yards. And so, you know, really taking that time to, to recognize those wins and then weave those wins into your story. And even though, you, you know, you, you've kept shoving out your, your vision, um, you know, that's a good thing to do. Uh, but also making sure that, that you're capturing those moments and, and, and you can use those to, to great effect. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's where we've been getting better. Um, tick, TikTok's probably my, my, uh, my best place to show our work recently. Um, my account on there, um, finally up to like 94 or not, no, 95,000 followers now. What? That is awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's a huge community. Yeah. I mean, Pretty pretty good one. It's uh it's growing. Um, you know, it's pictures of the animals, videos about veteran related stuff, and we, you know, that's what you know. That's kind of how we, um, you know, in some cases, our, one of our one of our biggest videos has like half a million views of. Uh, it was uh you know us kind of explaining what uh, a veteran goes through as far as you know when they're when they're navigating through the VA, and um, you know, really just kind of paints the story of the veteran's perspective. Um, right. and, um, you know, it was one of the most, uh, God, I don't know how many times, cause I just remember my best friend that, that took his life from PTSD suicide. Uh, he, right. uh, you know, just, just all his rejection letters from the VA for requests for like, you know, um, certain care and everything else. He was just struggling. And, and, you know, again, I just, you know, I'm just like, I'm thinking it was the bureaucracy, you know? He was right. really, just, and, and and yeah, the bureaucracy is a big part of the frustration behind it, but just the the, the rejection behind the whole program, um, and, and what he was experiencing when he really really needed help. I mean, this is just months before his his suicide, you know. So it's like, um, yeah, it's a, you know we we like to we like to kind of not put the stories out there like that, but it, again, just you know, kind of show some obvious um, you know anecdotes, if you will, of of you know. Um, of those experiences and they're reaching people on a scale that I, I did not expect be, you know, it's, it's, it's a truth lived by so many veterans and so many family members. And there's so many survivors, like people with survivor's guilt that were all feeling like I felt when I wrote this program, you know, right. Were just like, right. What did, where did that F did I screw up? You know, <laughs> right. this bad language. Um, but where, you know, where did I, where did I screw up and, and to, and to not being there for my friend? Cause it's always hindsight when suicide happens. Um, and, um, you know, and, and survival, survivor's guilt is, is, you know, is, is PTSD that's, that's essentially passed on. A lot of people don't know how to cope with that survivor's guilt and they continue to blame themselves and, until that, um, until that person's suicide has become one of the most, traumatic events of their life, you know, um, just by, again, lack of coping skills. So, you know, right. having, having outlets, lack, lack, lack of, you know, having coping skills that, you know, that are available to them, um, and right. they lack right. the ability to have coping skills, um, you know, but, uh, and that's, you know, and again, that's why these videos are important. Awareness is, is important. And, and again, we get into the wolf dogs and you see a lot of the wolf dogs in our videos. Um, some of them are cheesy and corny. Um, but, uh, a lot of them, you know, um, again, they'll, they'll, they'll show the work. I mean, it's, uh, you can see the one of all the trash and, and the before and after pictures of certain areas that we, we cleaned up on the Sedalia property. Well, that's amazing. I mean, you, you said it early on that, that being vulnerable and leading with authenticity and, and being able to share those moments and, and, and feel like you're in a secure, supportive space is, is really what your program is all about. And so, you know, with, with almost a hundred thousand dollars, hundred thousand followers on TikTok, I would say, Everybody. you know, leverage, leverage. Right. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, if you could get each of those people to give you seven dollars, yeah. which isn't isn't a ton of money for for most people, um, you know, you'd be at your goal. Yeah. Um, man, it's. I mean, I just really love what you're doing. I think you're you're doing a really great job. It's amazing to hear that you bootstrapped this. I I can't believe we. It's been an hour. Um, you know, I've had a really great time talking with you today. What, you know, how did, how did this land with you? What are your takeaways? Um, you know, again, there's, there's, uh, you know, it sounds like you're really knowledgeable about, uh, some different approaches that we've been looking at getting into. And, and, you know, again, it just, a lot of it feels like the right time too. you know, my takeaways are that, uh, we've got to keep doing what we're doing, but we also need to, you know, raise what we need to raise to do it. So it's, uh, you know, just more, more outreach, more spread and love and more trying to get people, people help that need it uh, for me. So. That's great. And how do people find out more information about you or, or, you know, donate time or money or resources? Um, they can head to our website, mattersvillevets.org. Um, if they're looking for some entertainment to see what we're about, um, you can check out TikTok, um, pack 22 alpha. And uh, um, there's also our Facebook page, which we put our calendar of events and different things on uh, pretty regularly, which is just Mattersville on Facebook and Instagram as well, Mattersville Bet. Um, and, uh, awesome. So I also love to, and I'm trying to write and talk at the same time here, that's just not working great for me. I really like to end these with an action. Um, I, I think that that there's so much talk and and talk is great and getting ideas out there is is the first step but taking action is the next step if you had to tell or ask people to do one thing after listening to the show what what would that thing be it would be to really look at the people in your life, whether you know you think they're happy or sad, the people that that are counting on you and and counting on you to check on them, to really really take a look at them and, and make sure that they that their mental health is okay. Um, you know, people can fool you, and um, you know a lot of people are, are really good at hiding their pain, and um, you know so sometimes it's it's not so much just asking them, but really just you know kind of looking you know looking at them and. and feeling out whether they might need help because, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, it's hard for people. And, um, when people are asking for help, be receptive to it. It's really hard for some people to ask help. So, you know, when, when somebody is take it seriously because they, that might be their, you might be their last lifeline. You might be the one that they were reaching out to, you know? Um, so, you know, just keep an open mind to them and be there. And, you know, if they need, Help that's beyond your profession, you know, call, call a crisis support line and get them, get them to know. I, I think that's a, a really great uh, action, a really great sentiment. I think we can all take a, a little bit more time to, to be present and, and be aware and, and, uh, and just love each other. So I, I really love that, uh, that you, that you ask people to do that. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, uh, uh, I can tell everybody from personal experience that I'm, looking back in hindsight and saying that I should have done a lot more is a lot harder than, you know, just taking a few extra minutes to check on your loved one. Well, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. And, um, I would encourage everyone to go, go check out mattersvillevets.org. And thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, Drew. thanks too. I appreciate it. And, uh, hopefully you can make it out sometime and uh, see everything for yourself. Oh, I would love to. I'll take you up on that. All right, well, let's get a plan then. All right, have a great day, Drew. Thanks, Stu. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Relish This. I have some exciting news. At long last, my first book, Mission Uncomfortable, is complete. This is a culmination of years of exploration around purpose-driven marketing and the audience engagement cycle, and it's packed with insights and information to help your organization survive and thrive. We'll be releasing this to the public in late February, so stay tuned for more on how you can get your copy. That's it this week. I'll be back next week for another great episode of Relish This.